Hi, Jackie. Hey, Elsie. How are you doing? What's up? We're back from a, a long break because I was on death's door. <laughs> um, you are like always so sick too. I know, always. I. It's because where I live, it's crazy. Um, I know. I wrote this story like two weeks ago, so it's going to be new for everyone. Because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even looked at it since then. But we're going to do something a little new because it was hard to come up with questions every single time. So we thought we would add a new little segment at the beginning of both of our stories. And we're going to call it um, a very important date. I think. Is that what we decided on? I think so. I don't even know that we actually even decided, but that's what we're going to call it because it goes along with our (laughs) Alice in Wonderland thing. And um, at the beginning of both of our stories, we're going to kind of tell you what was going on in that year so you can like really put yourself where we're at in time. So, um, Jackie, I think you're up next. So we might as well just do it and then people will understand what the heck we're talking about. Jump right (laughs) in. So my year that my story occurred is actually like my favorite year because like it was 1996, which is when I feel like I started having like good, solid, strong memories of things. You know what I mean? Like that's so sad. I was six years old. I was so thirteen. I was I was six. Oh, so these are the ones that caught my eye when I was kind of like looking at like the website or whatever. So Tupac was murdered in a drive by shooting in Las Vegas. So there was that. Oh, I didn't realize that was 96. I thought that was earlier. Yeah. Yeah. The Unabomber was captured. Old Ted Kaczynski. John Benet Ramsey died in oh 1996. This is like a huge true crime year. I know. Like none of and mine like, have I... to do with true crime. <laughs> I didn't see anything on there. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I remember like vividly, like the John Benet thing. Like that's one of the first things that I can remember, like crime wise, I feel like, because mm-hmm. my mom was like super against like those pageants. <laughs> <laughs> and thought they were so creepy. <laughs> yeah, my mom would never have gone for a pageant. Well, and like people used to tell my mom all the time because I had like big curly hair and blue eyes and like, oh, you should put her in pageants. And my mom was like, yeah, no, not for us. And like, I would have killed my mom for putting me in a dress anyway. So <laughs> I think she just knew that it was not my bag. But she yeah. just like, I can remember like her us talking about that like how she thought it was too creepy and adult-like it is but i mean no like they just look but it's creepy (laughs) i mean i'm just saying so my next one was 96 was the year that they cloned dolly the sheep oh and she yeah and she got that name because they used um mammary gland cells (laughs) And I, I didn't I know that. I knew that had something to do with Dolly Parton, but I couldn't remember what. <laughs> That's so funny. It just made me laugh. Oh, and then uh, my last one was that, and I'm saying this snarkily, Don't Speak by No Doubt was like the song that kept popping up as the number one song. And I'm sorry, but that's the worst song of all time. And oh I just can't gosh. even stand No Doubt. I loved No Doubt. No, I had... I I had my own phone line when I was 13 because that was how old I was in 1996. <laughs> and I had a, um, I had an answering machine and I would play no doubt. And it was like, you know, the walking into spider webs, leave a message and I'll call you back. I'm not going to sing it because I'm a terrible singer. Yeah. But that was my outgoing message. On my <laughs> Girl, I just have like a uh, deep hatred of Gwen Stefani. I don't know what it is. Like I just, don't like her. Oh, Daryl loves her. Well, it was like um, we were telling Lily because Lily was asking about the 90s today and we were talking about it and I was like, you know, we didn't have internet when we were kids. I might have had internet by 96. I don't remember, but um, and I was like, you know, and we didn't have like 
Hulu and Voodoo and Netflix and YouTube and YouTube. all that stuff. Like we had to go to the video store and you had to take out a movie and rent it. Like, I, was, <laughs> I felt so old. She's like, what's a VCR? Like, oh gosh. Oh God. Anyways. I'm not looking forward to these conversations with Bo. It, it was so, it was be so like, funny. He's going to be like, wait, no YouTube? And then, uh, he's just like, I'm going to lose him right there. <laughs> Did you have electricity? I don't understand. <laughs> Were there dinosaurs? <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay, so I chose to do one. I feel like probably a lot of people know, but it's probably one of my favorite. And you... When I start telling this story, you're going to know why it's one of my favorites, because I love these kinds of stories. But um, I decided to do Blair Adams. So just like a little recap before I jump in, Blair Adams was a 31-year-old Canadian resident of Surrey, British Columbia, who was found dead near Knoxville, Tennessee on July 11th of 1996. Around his body was nearly $4,000 in mixed currency, Canadian, American, and German. And to this day, they still don't know what happened to him. He died under, like, super weird circumstances. So, I'm just gonna start right in here. Okay. In the summer of 1996, Blair Adams started acting very strange. Um, his usual cheery, friendly demeanor was replaced by extreme mood swings, paranoia, erratic behavior, and his mom knew something was wrong, but when she questioned him about it, he became irritable and told her that he couldn't tell her about it. So, um, this behavior was affecting, like, all aspects of his life, including his work. Sarah, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Daryl's, like, tiptoeing like a cartoon character out of the <laughs> And I just looked up and he's like, dude, this cartoonish tiptoe scared me half to death. Go ahead. Because he was Bo in the bathroom and I banged on the door and I was like, I'm going to be recording. You need to come out of here quiet. <laughs> All right. Oh, continue. God. I'm sorry. Whew. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so, um, what did I say? Da 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 da. Oh, it was affecting all aspects of his life, including his work. Um, before his death, he had been a foreman with a construction company in Surrey, and like by all accounts, he was really good at his job, and he liked the work. Which the work, which made it like even more weird when he suddenly quit, saying that he didn't know if he could carry on here. Um, weird. Six days before his death, yeah, super weird. Six days before his death, on July 5th, Blair went to his bank and withdrew nearly all of his money. Uh, he emptied the contents of his safe deposit box, which had gold, platinum, and, like, assorted jewelry. And he put it into a fanny pack. <laughs> That's um, 1996 on, for Sorry. You. It just cracked mm. me up because I'm like, of course he had a fucking fanny pack. Well, I don't know. That to might have been a little late for fanny pack. <laughs> He might have been a little late on that. <laughs> right? That's what I was thinking. Like, uh, maybe, like, try 1987. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 92? So on... <laughs> on Sunday, July 7th, two days after withdrawing thousands of dollars, he first attempted to cross the Canadian-American border by a ferry. But he was denied access because the Border Patrol flagged him as a potential drug trafficker since he was a single man showcasing shifty behaviors, traveling alone, and, you know, he had copious amounts of money on him. And it probably also didn't help that he had lied about his criminal history when he had previous drug charges and an assault charge. Like, like he told them that he was clean, but... Right. Like, it's just stupid to lie about it. So it makes you look even worse. Um, on July 8th, after being denied entry into the States, uh, he made several random trips to visit his family and friends, where he tearfully admitted to them that he needed to get across the border because someone wanted him dead, but he didn't say who. He just kept referring, referring to them as, like, they, them, like, he, no specifics. Uh, during this time, he had purchased... 
a round trip plane ticket from Vancouver to Frankfurt, Germany. The ticket was $1,600 and the flight was scheduled for the next day. And Blair did reportedly have a girlfriend in Frankfurt who he had met while working for his stepfather's construction company in Germany, but she wasn't expecting him to come visit. So it's kind of unclear why he would have bought the plane ticket. Right. In the early morning hours on July 9th, Blair was spotted trying to cross the border a second time, this time on foot. Authorities noted that he had scratches on his hands and legs, and he also matched the description of an auto theft suspect. A blue car had been reported um, missing, and they had found it near where he was trying to cross. And a friend also said that the previous day, he had been in a blue car instead of his Chevy Chevette. And police questioned him. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> That's why I had to add it in. Chevy <laughs> Chevette. <laughs> so police questioned him, and they couldn't find any evidence that he had stolen the car, so they had no grounds to keep him, and they just let him go. Um, after this whole ordeal, Blair headed back to the airport where he ditched his Chevette and rented a Nissan Altima. Um, he went to the like attendant at the desk and turned in his ticket to Germany, telling her that his girlfriend had suddenly become sick. So the trip was canceled. And after that, it doesn't say how, but he ended up successfully crossing the border into Seattle, Washington. So, so weird. When he got to Seattle, once again, he ditched his car. He left the Nissan at the airport and bought a one-way ticket to Washington, D.C. for 800 bucks. And the only reason I added that in is because authorities found that odd because he could have bought a round-trip ticket for nearly half that price. So why would you buy the one-way? That seems like really high, especially in 1996. Yeah, it makes no sense. Like, why would you do that? Even if you weren't going to take the trip back, it makes more sense to pay less. You know, it's just, it was weird. So on July 10th, he arrived at Dulles International Airport in Washington, D.C., rented a Toyota Camry and headed for Knoxville, Tennessee. And family and friends have said, like, he didn't know anybody in that area. Like, he didn't know anybody in the States as far as they knew. So... They're not really sure why he was making this trip and, like, why he went about it in a, such a weird way. Like, why would you go from Seattle to D.C. and then drive to Tennessee? Like, that's so zigzaggy and weird. I would like to know his mileage. Uh, like, did he go straight there or did he go, like... See, and they have, like, you know pretty good records of, like... Up there? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Like, was he trying to go there? Was he just randomly, like, is that just where he ended up? I don't know. So, at 5.30 p.m. at a gas station in Knoxville, this is like the next report of anybody seeing him, an interstate repair service driver named Gerald Stapp, no, sorry, Gerald Sapp, <laughs> not Stapp, <laughs> was called to help Blair, who said that his rental car key wasn't working. Well, as it turns out, the key wasn't working because he was trying to use the wrong key. He was using the key from the Nissan that he had rented from a completely different company, like that first car that he had rented. He had the key and was trying to use that in his Camry. Oh, my god! And so... Spoiler alert, keys don't work that way. You can't just use any old key in any old car. <laughs> you and can? So, I know. So Gerald Sapp is like, dude, check your pockets. Look around. Like, you have to have the key for this Camry. You obviously drove it here. But Blair, like, absolutely refused and kept swearing that he had the right key. And so... They, I mean, Sap just gave up and was like, okay, buddy. And he said that it didn't appear like Blair was on any drugs or anything, but quote, he wasn't all there. His mind wasn't functioning. Well, then how do you know he so, wasn't on drugs? I know. That's kind of what I thought too, because I'm like, 
Okay. So did he just like did he and a psychiatrist? Like (laughs) apparently. (laughs) You're just really passionate about renting cars, so you take that as a hobby. I just had to add that in because I was like, I That's love when like weird. regular people make like conjectures like that. Cause it's like, how the hell do you know? Sweeping. Unless you're like on <laughs> drugs that you just know. I don't It's just Damn. so funny. Like settle down. Oh God. So Sap eventually called for a tow truck for Blair's rental car and uh, dropped him off at a nearby Fairfield Inn hotel so Blair hops out without his bag, like he's in a hurry, and Sap has to return it, and then he heads for home. This is the last time he sees the guy. You know, he just takes off and goes. All right. At the hotel, Blair's odd behavior, you know, continued, and at around 7.37 p.m., he, book a, he booked a room, which he paid for with a $100 bill, but he walked off without getting his change. And the person at the hotel desk kept calling his room. He never answered. And, like, he was just acting super weird. And employees said that he was, like, paranoid and agitated and that he was walking back and forth, looking over his shoulder the whole time. Like, he was just waiting for somebody. And I don't know what time this happened, but they say, like, he walked out of the hotel at some point. And from that point on, like... Nobody knows what happened after that. Like, he walked out, and then the next thing they knew, he was dead. Like, they know that he went to eat somewhere because they found lettuce and meat and, like, shrimp inside of his stomach contents, like, when they did the uh, autopsy or whatever. But there were, like, reports of people claiming that they saw him, but none of them turned out to be anything like they said that two, like i think two girls reported seeing him at like a cracker barrel but it wasn't him so the next morning july 11th two workers found blair adams body half a mile from his hotel at a construction site where they were heading to work and at first they thought that maybe it was a homeless person sleeping but when they got closer they realized that he was a dead And B, had way too much money to be a homeless person. His pants had been pulled down, like, kind of inside out, like somebody else had ripped them off of him. And his socks were off and laying around him on the ground, and one of his shoes was tucked underneath his head, like, kind of like a pillow. His money was strewn all around him, along with his hotel key. There was a black duffel bag near him filled with maps and travel receipt, and his fanny pack was also near him, and it contained five, an- five ounces of gold bars, gold and platinum coins, more keys, and a pair of sunglasses. What the heck? The- yeah. So this was all just scattered around him, and, like, nobody took anything, you know? Like, that's what's really weird. So. Right. The odd... The autopsy revealed that Blair had been beaten to death. The killing blow was delivered to his stomach, which caused it to rupture, sending him into septic shock. He had lacerations on his head, which police believe had been caused by, like, either a crowbar or some type of club. And his hands revealed defensive wounds, like pretty bad ones. And they also found, like, some hair strands grasped in his fist. And that was, like, the only little bit of evidence that they found the entire time. But it never left to anything. Or never led to anything, I mean. Um, some of his injuries were indicative of sexual assault, but no DNA was ever recovered. And even though Blair did have issues with drugs and alcohol in his past toxicology reports found zero traces in his symptom in his system that day um yeah (laughs) so the only report of suspicious activity from that night came from a security guard in a nearby business who said that he heard a scream around 3 30 in the morning but he believed that it had belonged to a woman and um due to the sexual nature of some of his injuries people have like speculated that it could have been like 
a sex thing gone wrong because like I, I guess a nearby truck stop had been like a hotbed for sex workers like that's where you went to pick up women and that kind of thing like the police right. knew about it like it was just one of those places um but they i think they kind of interviewed everybody that they could nobody obviously said anything they didn't see anything um and then others wondered that if he, like he had like been involved in a drug deal and his family thinks that's probably unlikely because apparently like he was really serious about his sobriety like he attended meetings that kind of thing and there were never any significant leads in the case like they it just completely turned up nothing and one of the weirdest things about this whole thing is that like years later his mom told police that he'd been heading down south to go to the olympics in atlanta that year and she never mentioned that during like the initial investigation like it took her years to come out with that information and what i just find heck? that like odd as hell like you like you said oh well he didn't know anybody he didn't have any friends down there but like you you just f failed to fucking mention that he was going to the olympics like that's a little weird yeah that is weird i don't know but they've never like i said they've never found any evidence no leads no nothing and that's so what do you think wild happened? story of I honestly don't know. Like, part of me thinks that maybe he was having some type of, like, mental breakdown, and that's why he was acting so weird. And, like, I just think, like, because he was going through that, it would have made him more susceptible to being a target for somebody. Like, maybe he... I don't know. Maybe his weird behavior like caused somebody to get like freaked out by him and it started a fight. I have no idea. Like I honestly can't think of a single thing. Like it's just so bizarre to me. That's what I was thinking. Like you said he could have picked up a sex worker and then he was That's... acting like a fool and they killed him because they were scared or somebody they were with killed him because they were scared. But why not take the money is what I don't get. <laughs> That's what I want. That's like the one thing that stops me from thinking that. Like, if you were going to kill this person, why wouldn't you take all that money? It or was maybe it was there. somebody that he was just out there with and he started acting crazy. They killed him and they freaked because they didn't mean to kill him. And I don't know because you said they beat him up. I don't know. And well, then and he, like, they ran off they, before they could get the money because they were freaked out. I don't know. Right. And I wondered that, too, like, if he went back to the sex work thing, like, I just wondered if, like, like you said, he just started acting kind of weird. And then because um, I, I read another thing and I honestly I didn't add this in because I wasn't sure if it was true because it was like just a little side note. I found like somebody had written on Reddit, but it said, like, his mom knew that at some point in his life he had had a relationship with a man like he had a boyfriend. So it makes me wonder if maybe it was like a male sex worker situation. I don't know. Or it could have, I don't it wanna... might not have even been a sex worker. Maybe it was just a guy with him. Yeah, a random dude know. that he picked up or something. Yeah, and then it just like, he started acting crazy. Escalated. Like, pulling out his money. And that's why the money's everywhere. The cash was everywhere, right? Yeah. Like yeah. all the mixed so currency was just like laying around. Crazy, and it freaked him out. They beat him up. And then they freaked out and left. I don't know. I, I can't really come it's up with any so reason weird. why you would, you would beat somebody to the point of killing them and then not take the money. Like, I don't understand how you get to that point, but I don't know. Well, and somebody had said, like, one of the investigators had said something like the injury to his stomach could have been from being hit by a car but like other people said like no because xyz reasons like they didn't think that was the case but it's like how do you know like you don't like they don't even know right it, it just makes me so curious about i don't know i just need to know what happened <laughs> i would really like to know what went on with him even if it's just like you know a case like maybe we were thinking like he just was having a mental breakdown and acted weird and then I just need to know what happened. 
It's I a know. little weird, though, that it's he weird. told people that he was going to be killed or that people wanted him dead. Right. And then he winds up dead. Like, yeah, that's like the one thing that, like... And, like, and that makes me wonder, like, okay, is that why he went in such a weird, zigzaggy, random pattern? You know what I mean? Like, was he trying to throw somebody off? I don't know. It's very bizarre. Sleeping bag. Sorry, it was this bag. (laughs) Not a sleeping bag, a plastic bag. (laughs) Are you settling in? (sighs) No, it's freaking, it's by my chair, and I, like, had my like okay i'm in the garage but like i like stuck my hand down between the crack between this little table and my chair and it was right there and i didn't know and then i was trying to like move it (laughs) (laughs) so that i could comfortably put my hand down in the crack (laughs) (laughs) okay um well my story is also a true crime story but it has a conclusion it's but it's a, a wild ride um, but my year is 2005. Um, oh, that was a horrible year for me. That was the year I met Daryl. So it was a great year for you. It was a great year for me. I mean, it was good, bad. It, it was pretty bad. And then I met Daryl. Um, okay. So the I was 15 was... and moody. <laughs> <laughs> we were close to the same age in each other's stories. <laughs> we were. Anyway, uh, the top song was We Belong Together by Mariah Carey. And Mariah, I don't like Mariah Carey. <laughs> See, and I love Mariah Carey. Uh, I did when I was younger, but I just can't with Mariah Carey now. Okay, so the big movies included. She's a little extra. Oh, a little. Yeah, she's very extra. Um, <laughs> Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. The Chronicles of Ooh. Narnia. And Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, yes. In religion news, Pastafarianism, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster, was founded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the president was George W. Bush uh, in America. The office appeared, premiered in 2005, and it had mediocre ratings. However, NBC what? decided to renew it for a second season due to the anticipated success of Steve Carell's film, The 40-Year-Old Virgin. And then in 2006, he won a Golden Globe for Best Actor for The Office. So, that was Because The Office is the best show. Lucky. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, I didn't know this. Mark Zuckerberg offered to sell Facebook to MySpace. MySpace CEO Krista Wolf rejected Zuckerberg's asking price of $75 million. Can you imagine? Like, I bet he really fucking regrets that. The history of dumbass deals. Like, anyway. Um, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore got married. Um, Oh my God, I forgot that was a thing. Yeah. Prince Charles married um, longtime flame Camilla Parker Bowles. Uh, Heidi Klum and Seal were married. Uh, did I say? Oh, wait. Um, rather than use CGI, this is just a fun fact. In the movie Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Tim Burton had 40 squirrels trained to crack nuts. <laughs> 2005. That is so fucking Tim Burton, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> Brad Pitt left of course he for fucking did. for Angelina Jolie. Um, Tom Tom Cruise jumped on the couch for Katie Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube was founded. Did you know that YouTube was so young? I guess I didn't. But I just figured it always it's been around that, like, since like internet was normal. I don't ever oh, no, remember like until recently being so into YouTube. That's well, I'm true. not. My like kid, I but... never got on YouTube as like. A, but, I mean, I remember getting on YouTube in college, so I don't understand. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I don't um, know. And I, this is just for you. An F3 tornado strikes Evansville, Indiana, killing 25 people, making it one of the deadliest tornadoes on record. Damn. And Michael Jackson was found not guilty of child molestation charges. And that is literally the only true crime news that I found. <laughs> 
<laughs> in all of 2005. I just remember. I know there was 10 more, but I could. I didn't come across it. I just remembered one that I didn't put down on my list, and I have to just say it really quick because it made me a little bit laugh. But like, 1996 was the year that Oprah opened up her book club. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like way long ago. I didn't. I wouldn't have thought it was that. Old. I know. Um, there goes my dog. Okay, so this happened in 2005. So this is the story of Stacy Castor. In August of 2005, at 2 p.m., Stacy Castor called her local sheriff's office because she was concerned about her husband, David. And she was concerned about him because he didn't show up at the air conditioning repair company that they owned. And she goes on to say that she's a little worried because she hadn't seen him since 5 a.m. on Sunday morning when he locked her out of the bedroom door after they had had a seven-hour fight. Okay. So this is Monday at 2 p.m. She hasn't seen him since Sunday at 5 a.m. And they live in the this same house? This is like house? a full, what, like 30-something hours after. Yes, they live in the same house. He locked her out of the bedroom. Okay. She said that he had been drinking and not acting right. And then she says that she checked on him over those 30 hours by putting her head up to the door. And that he had been snoring, so she just assumed he was sleeping it off. So, a detective goes out, and she tells him there's a shotgun under the bed, and she's worried that he may have shot himself. Uh, and by the way, this is just on 2020. It's one of my favorite forensic files, and so I suggest you go watch those two things. I know it's been on a ton of things, but those are the two things I can think of at the moment. Um, the detective goes out, and she says there's a shotgun under the bed, and she's worried that he may have shot himself. So the police kick the door in and they find David laying naked across the bed, dead. And at the scene, they find on the nightstand two glasses. One was half full of green liquid and they look like in the 2020 in the forensic files, they look like like whiskey tumblers, like those kind of glasses. Yeah. Um, one's half full of green liquid. One has a small amount of juice. There's also a bottle of uh, apricot brandy. And a bottle of cranberry juice on the nightstand. So then they take a look underneath the bed and they find a jug of antifreeze with the top off of it. So <laughs> meanwhile in the kitchen, the detective looks in the trash and he sees a turkey baster with some green liquid still on it. So he takes that into evidence. And at first they fully buy this story that he committed suicide. Like people have committed suicide what? by antifreeze. And I mean, yeah. his father had just died and he had been depressed. So he, like, they thought it kind of was in line. I don't know why, but they did. Yeah. So the coroner put suicide on the report. However, Detective Dominic Spinelli smells a rat. <laughs> and he can't get that turkey baster out of his mind. And Nancy Grace is on this 22, 22, 2022 also as well <laughs> and um and like true nancy grace fashion she's like it's super rare for someone to commit suicide naked and if you find a body naked oh no start the lab tests <laughs> <laughs> so i just love how they bring her in and she says like common sense shit that they're doing so and they like and she's so dramatic there um you know how they have like a preview to the like later in the show later in the show they keep using yes. that clip but i'm like we get it nancy christ so he's does just that he has the glasses and the turkey baster tested the glass with the antifreeze has three fingerprint prints on it and they're all stacy's so he still thinks like and also, like, the crime scene doesn't really mesh with how men usually commit suicide. Men usually shoot themselves, mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Women are the ones Hanging. that usually go toward poisoning. Um, I've lost my, my spot. And there's brandy, like, ap apricot brandy sitting on the table. Apricot. Like, it just all sit yeah, like, it just seems so... Well... I just keep not, going it's, back it's to like the fact thing. that, yeah, not only that, but I'm just like, okay, you didn't kick down this, the door yourself or like in my house, we have like these little keys that you stick right in the doorknob if the door's locked from the inside and I can oh, lock, unlock you? it. 
better believe if Daryl thought he was going to lock me out of my bedroom. My bedroom, yeah. For 36 hours after he's lost it because he's drunk. Oh, my gosh. It, it would be on like Donkey Kong. It would like, be the, there's yeah, no the fight that never ends. Yeah. Seriously. Like, how dare you lock me out of my bedroom? <laughs> Then they get the results from the turkey baster and there's antifreeze on it. And David's DNA is on the tip of the turkey baster, but nowhere else. And also antifreeze is very sweet. That's why like animals get poisoned by it all the time. Yeah. It's not like something he would have a hard time getting down. It's easily disguised in liquids. It doesn't make sense that he would have to shove a turkey baster down his throat in order to drink it. So, and not to mention like death by antifreeze is like horrific. And it like it, what it does is it crystallizes in your organs and it begins to shut down your body. So David being an air conditioning expert, he knows all about antifreeze. And so it doesn't make sense that like, why would he choose such a painful way? He had a shotgun right there under his bed. Like, Why would he have chosen such a painful way? So anyway, David's ex-wife starts calling the police and insisting it wasn't suicide. So not Stacy, his ex-wife. Uh, when the police dig up the will, they are surprised to find that he left everything to Stacy and the girls and nothing to his son. The ex-wife and the son insist this isn't possible. So a little bit backstory here. David was actually Stacy's second husband, and she had two daughters from her previous marriage, Ashley and Bree. And um, so, you know, De- Detective Spinelli finds this out and he's like, well, I want to go interview her ex-husband. And lo and behold, he can't because he's dead too. What Michael the Wallace fuck? is buried in the same cemetery that David is. In fact, they are right next to each other. And Michael's headstone already has Stacy's name on it. So she literally planned to be buried between them. So it was Michael <gasps> and then State or it's uh David and then Michael or Stacy and Michael. So they start oh looking my into God. Michael. I know it's it's so juicy there's so many twists and turns like it'll give you whiplash it's insane so they start looking into Michael and Stacy calls him the love of her life but says that he had a dark side and he had problems with drugs and alcohol and they had Ashley first and three years later they had Brie and Brie was a daddy's girl and he was much closer with his younger daughter than with his older daughter um, but Stacy says that she was best friends with Ashley so it all kind of worked out I gotta get a drink sorry my mouth is dry Dude, I get like that too. Okay. We'll do some ASMR of me drinking. Um, <laughs> so when Ashley was eleven and Bree was eight, things were strained in the marriage. Michael and Stacy were working opposite shifts and they rarely saw each other. And Stacy told friends she was thinking of divorce, but since Christmas was coming, she was going to put that on the back burner for the time being because she wanted everybody to have a good Christmas. Um, I thought you were going to say Michael, because she wanted a present. Probably. <laughs> she's she's kind of selfish. I don't know why that's where my mind went. <laughs> she wanted a present before she got a divorce. I mean, good God. <laughs> she gave the kid and the guy two daughters. So suddenly Michael starts getting really sick. And he's like staggering around. He's like unsteady on his feet. He spends a lot of time in bed. He's throwing up. He can't walk. So Ashley comes home one day. And says he's laying on the couch making funny faces. And then she says he lifts his arm up in the air, drops it down, and then he was still. And so she assumes he's asleep. And she had to go leave to go pick up Bree. When they got home, he was dead. The doctors proclaim that he had a heart attack at 38 years old. There was no autopsy performed. And Ashley blamed herself because she left. Um. Stacy collected a $55,000 life insurance policy and took the kids to Disney World. What? So, yeah. Yeah. Why would you Super go to weird. Disney World after your husband died? She doesn't do anything that makes any sense. She's just like the most, and you can see these interviews with her. She's just the most like monotoned. Like there's like her eyes are dead. You know what I mean? Like she's just. Yeah. Creepy dead eyes. Right. And she's not even really that creepy. She just seems like if you had to talk to her at the grocery store, you would want to fling yourself off a cliff. Like, just the most boring, <laughs> deadpan person. She's very odd. So, 
fast forward back to De- Detective Spinelli, and Stacy told her has told him that her first husband had a ton of medical problems. But then they look into his records, and there's nothing to indicate that. So they had Michael's body exhumed in 2007. Um, during wow. the autopsy, they found surprise, surprise, his body is full of crystals due to antifreeze poisoning. Jesus. Okay. So they bring her in and she's nervous and pacing and he confronts her with this evidence and he shows her a picture of two glasses and says, you told me you poured the juice, right? And she says, yes. And he said, well, point to which glass you poured into. And she starts to say, well, when I poured the antifree and that's what she calls it, that's key. She calls it antifree, not antifreeze. She catches herself and she says, oh, I meant to say cranberry juice. So then she gets what? pissed. Uh, yeah, oh my she God. says it outright <gasps> on a police interview. She gets pissed and she says they're trying to frame her and she wants a lawyer. So she lawyers up. But as he's p- putting the picture in the folder, she sees this picture of the turkey baster and she gets real irate. She's like, what's that about? And he says, don't worry about it. The interview is over. And he walks off. <laughs> <laughs> which got to be like one of those bad like you know you feel like a badass like out of the tigers playing hard ass yeah so the family finds out that the, the body's been exhumed and ashley had just started college <laughs> and the police came to tell her that her dad died of poisoning and she calls her mother freaking out and on this phone call like she's like she's saying i can't believe they came to your school because they have her her phone tapped She's like, I can't believe they came to your school. Those bastards. Blah, blah, blah. I can't believe they came to your school. Like, she's so mad about that. So her mother tells her, just come on home and let's drink and we'll forget about all of this. We've had a hard time. So, of course, Ashley comes home. They drink that night and Ashley passes out. So the next night, Stacy's like, okay, let's do it again. But this time, let's get really drunk. And she mixes her a drink. So later, Stacy calls nine one one and says her daughter's unresponsive and has taken. Oh some my pills. god! What? On the call, she says an entire bottle of vodka. Ashley, like she's like, like berating this girl while she's sick. Bree had woken up and found her sister and got her mother. So Bree's the one that found her, and then Bree finds this note sitting there, and it's a typed suicide note from Ashley, taking responsibility for the murders. Of her father and her stepfather, and at least now everyone will know it wasn't Stacy. And in the whole suicide note, she keeps saying, Mommy, at least no one will blame you now. I'm so sorry, Mommy. You know, like, it's so bizarre. So. Oh, my God. Keep in mind that Ashley was 11 years old when her father died. But she's taking oh responsibility for her, her death, saying she poisoned God. him. So Ashley's rushed to the hospital. She's close to death. The police won't let her mother in the room. Ashley pulls out of it. And when she wakes up, they start grilling her about the note and the pills. And Ashley has no clue what they're talking about. She said she had just had a drink with her mother and she woke up in the hospital. And she has no idea what's going on. She doesn't know about the note. She doesn't know about anything. So she tells them that her mother gave her the drink. And it tasted horrible. But her mother got her a straw and told her to put it in the back of her throat and just drink. So she drank it down. Um, so in the note, detectives noticed that antifreeze is misspelled antifree, which is how Stacy says it. The only fingerprints found on the suicide were Stacy's, or the suicide note were Stacy's. A forensic yeah. psychiatrist examined the note and stated that most suicide notes focus on remorse. And not being able to go on. But like this note was entirely focused on taking the blame off of Stacy. And it reiterated 14 times in that note. That it was not Stacy. Um, she tried to kill her daughter. And frame her for the murders of her husband. So, I can't. I know. Like the whole story you're just like what? What? Like it just keeps coming. It's insane. So Stacy's put under arrest at the hospital and she's just insisting that it was Ashley. It was Ashley. And <clears throat> by the way, Stacy's mother, who is Ashley's grandmother, also believes Ashley did it. And she just like what? blindly stands by her daughter, betrays her granddaughter. 
uh, her mother literally said she doesn't have it in her to kill her husband. But apparently an 11-year-old child does. It's disgusting. She's fucking nuts. Like, that old lady can rot in hell. It's disgusting. So, at the trial, in January of 2009, Stacy and her lawyers continue to blame Ashley. They go through Ashley's things, and they find this letter to a boyfriend that said that she considered suicide in the past. And they say, well, this, this proves she's unstable. She wrote about suicide, you know. So... The evidence is overwhelming against Stacy. Like, this is all bullshit. They put Ashley on the stand, and she cannot come across better. Like, she comes across really likable and sympathetic. She's crying. She, you know, like, you could tell this girl has just been through hell. And the entire time, right. her mother is looking on and just has no expression, no emotion. Doesn't cry, nothing. So, amazingly... Stacy takes the stand in her own defense, which is a dumbass thing to do. You should never take the stand in your own defense. I'm just going to put that <laughs> out there. It's free legal advice from somebody who has no experience in the legal field. <laughs> yeah, but still, uh, like, why would you? It's never a good thing. You're going to crumble under cross-examination. So They're going to, they can bring up anything that wasn't brought up in evidence. Like, you are screwed. You like It's their be. job. <clears throat> It's dumb. like that's what it's, they're supposed to do. Yeah. Right. Like Ugh. it's never going to come out good. So she's, but she's completely no. calm. She has no emotion about it. And on cross examination, the prosecutor drops bombshell. Stacy's phone had been tapped. And in one of the calls, you can hear the clicking of the keys on a computer as she's typing. And they are able to match <laughs> up the time of that phone call to the time that the suicide note was typed on the computer and Ashley wasn't even at home. She was at school. Then they wow. find a draft of the letter along with two practice notes. <laughs> so she had really seriously the suicide note. Stacy still <laughs> denies it and she has no emotion. So the jury takes four days to reach a verdict. She's found guilty of second degree murder of David and guilty of attempted second degree murder of her daughter. She's sentenced to 25 years to life for the murder and 25 years for the attempted murder along with one and a third to four years for forging David's will. And under New York law, she would have had to serve 51 years before she became eligible for parole, which meant that her earliest possible parole date would be when she's 88 years old. Um, Damn. Stacy said in an interview that Ashley brought this on, but said Bree was an innocent victim who lost, who she lost with her freedom and her husband's. So she's still claim it was ashley after all this oh come um, the fuck on on but on june 11th 2016 stacy kester was found dead in her cell it was determined that she died of a heart attack at 48 ashley and Bree never spoke to their mother again and this is where this is how we're going to leave it on a good note she remained close with Dist district attorney william fitzpatrick ashley and Bree did the one that put their mother away and ashley has asked mm -hmm. him to walk her down the aisle when she gets married oh so Why that's is that really the cutest sweet. thing i know uh, uh, they show it at the very end of the 2020 and i'm like oh. <laughs> but like what kind of sociopath can do that to their child i just yeah, that's the most fucked up thing. Like, just the most I mean, greedy, say, selfish, disgusting person. Like, she's just vile. To yeah, me. like not to make light of. Obviously, it's awful that you could kill your husband, to, but like, I just cannot comprehend doing that to your kid. Yeah, like oh, that's yeah. so fucked up. And also, and then, really quick, how the fuck did it take four days for the jury to come to a conclusion on this? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Oh, I know. It's so four weird. days. And then also, like, never crying, never showing emotion, never, like, looking at your daughter in the eye. Like, ugh, it's just so gross. The whole thing's so gross. And the gross. grandmother, like, I'm like, of course you're like that. Because yeah, you were raised you. like that. Your mother's a psychopath, too. It's just insane. Like, how could you even believe that? Like, ugh. And weirdly enough, um, I was listening to Crime Junkie podcast. It's a really good podcast. But um, I found my next story on there, and it's so similar to yours. 
<laughs> that it's crazy and i'm like maybe i should wait because when you told me about him like i remember i didn't remember who he was until you said the money his pants being down and the money was yeah. everywhere and then when you once you got into your story i'm like oh shit this is so similar maybe i should wait but it's such a good story like it's it's completely different but it's like similar you know what i'm saying There's those are my favorite details. like yeah and like those are my favorite stories like somebody is miles and miles away from where they're from and they've had some weird shit going on and then they wind up dead like the, <laughs> those are like my favorite kinds of stories i don't know why but so they bizarre. just are well and i've done stories like that before <laughs> like i did that one and i can't even remember what it's called now but the one about that guy who what was he German or something? Remember that story I did forever and ever ago? Ugh, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that was like... He, like, worked didn't know at he was, a... Was he a scientist or something? Or he worked in a lab? Yeah, he was a sci... Yeah, and then they thought he might have been, like, a whistleblower, and he ended up dead, but it was like, they tried to say it was suicide. Frank something was his name, I think, but I can't remember what the case was called. Yeah, it's weird. Or like the Yonksy. Tom and Shoot Man. It was you the Yonksy Fall guy. Yes. Did you look that up or did you just remember that? I remembered it. Remember this oh, app wow. doesn't let me exit the, oh, the yeah, call. Right. <laughs> I'm just impressed that you remembered that. Okay. Well, I like I had read about it for... Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to cut you off. Go I said ahead. I just... I just remembered like reading it and then it just popped into my head. Like as soon as you said Tom and shoot, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, this one that I, remember. I, I, I heard on crime junkies was it's like the Mel Mora Murray. Like he's never been found. Ooh. And it's super weird. I don't I have a story for that. I don't want really to give, I don't want to give it away, <laughs> but, um, tune in next time. Yeah. Tune in next time. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to end this, but Jackie, don't get out of the app. <laughs> okay. A little behind the scenes uh, peek for you all, because we have to wait for our audio to upload. So, save. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Hopefully, it won't be so long. <laughs> but it probably will, because, I know. Well, this is who we are, okay? Yes. Weird things happen. <laughs> I might have to have surgery. <laughs> Ooh. you never know with me i might fall off a cliff you don't know um, well in like the next two weekends i have things going on like oh ooh, and just to make everybody a little bit jealous i'm going to see my favorite murder oh, not next weekend that, but the weekend after <laughs> i didn't know that was coming up so soon in case you're, you didn't yeah. know jackie and i do not live in the same place that's why we have had audio difficulties and i've been trying to figure it out for like a year now and so we can't go together to my favorite murder i, I saw him in new orleans i'm seeing him in cincinnati it'll be fun i'm jealous i'm excited all right well um thanks everyone for listening if you've hung in this long <laughs> <We> just <laughs> boring thing <laughs> all right thanks Bye. Bye.